Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Welcome to All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. Today, I'm talking with David Salvanini, the chief data officer at NASA, about increased data sharing across the agency. David, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, and thank you, Jory, for the opportunity. Of course. To just get started here, let's introduce you to our audience a little bit better here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience with NASA so far, and just what your focus has been since becoming the chief data officer over at NASA. Yeah, a little bit about me. I've been with the federal government as a civil servant since 2005. Prior to that, I uh, was in the United States Air Force and retired as a communications officer. Joined the Defense Intelligence Agency in 2005 and was there until I transferred recently to NASA. I was a CDO at Defense Intelligence. I also work with the IC Chief Data Officer and the IC CIO at the Office of Director of National Intelligence prior to coming to NASA and held a number of roles there. Joined NASA in June. And as you can imagine, the mission at NASA is quite different than the mission in the intelligence community. And also the public facing role of NASA is quite different than what I'm used to in the intelligence community. And quite candidly, I have thoroughly enjoyed the switch. I think it was a a good move for me. So new to the agency, but not new to the title here as CDO. As far as those data-centric priorities, what's been top of mind in the couple of months that you've been at NASA? What stands out to you as the data-centric priorities that are most urgent or deserve the most attention? Coming into NASA, as you can imagine, NASA is a very data-rich environment, similar to the intelligence community. And there is an enormous appreciation for the value of data here at NASA because data fuels everything we do. Data fuels scientific research. It fuels all of our open science initiative work. In 2023 was the year of open science, which NASA was very, very uh, prominent in supporting. It fuels all of our missions from a risk mitigation perspective and from a program development perspective. You think about our current mission, Artemis, and our endeavor to return to the moon after 50 years, that's all fueled with data. And it's fueled with current data, but it's also fueled with data from the past, uh, harvesting knowledge and uh, lessons learned from the Apollo era. We are a very data-centric organization by default. Now, that's not to say there aren't opportunities for us to mature, and that's exactly where I'm focused. I'm looking at those opportunities and I'm figuring out, okay, how do we advance the ball for NASA? How do we even do more than we're currently doing? And in some of my early learnings, I've, I've realized that, you know, like any organization, there are people who tend to like to hold their data tight not necessarily make it as broadly accessible as a chief data officer would certainly like to see. So those are some of the things that we're looking to tackle. Creating an environment of share first as opposed to limiting access, breaking down some of the barriers to sharing that uh, may be in place due to either organizational lines, mission lines, any number of different reasons. And then really, Part of sharing is really discovery. So if an officer at NASA is looking to do work, they've got to be able to discover data before they can even expect it to be shared with them. So right now, I would say one of my key priorities is is putting in place some technology to enable enriched discoverability of data, enriched discoverability across all data holdings, across all corpuses of information, so that people can make a request to gain access to data if they don't currently have access. And keep in mind, 
my view of data management is such that discoverability and access are two very different things. You may be able to discover data that you maybe won't have access to for any number of different reasons. But first and foremost, you have to be able to discover it. And then you have to be able to pursue whether access is reasonable and or whether the data itself can actually solve the problem you're looking to solve for whatever project you're working or pursuing. Can you explain a little bit more about the tech solution that you're discussing here in terms of making that data more discoverable to the employees at NASA? How is that going to work and what are the steps to make that reality? Yeah, so we have a number of threads as part of this project right now. One of them is quite candidly just an inventory and a catalog. In other words, what data do we have? Do we have metadata that describes the data? Is that data inventoried and is that current? Uh, so that's a quite a rudimentary way of perpetuating discovery. Another is, is to look at, okay, we have a lot of data sources. We have a lot of indexes that sit on top of those data sources. But what is commonly found in a lot of organizations is, is that an employee has to know what system to tap or search to find the results they're looking for. And what I would like to do instead is put in place a top tier search capability where a NASA officer or employee can go to one place, render a search, and have that search passed across any number of different systems through some type of API call or connector, and then results just come back to that single place. So basically a single point of entry for a search that is able to cast a broad net across all the holdings at NASA and tap all those indexes of information that we have and bring results back. That's not to say that someone who's doing science discovery work or someone who's doing aeronautics work wouldn't go to a, a specialized system to do searches, but this is really about discoverability. So it's about people finding out about data that exists at NASA that they may not otherwise be aware of. So that's the approach to the top tier search capability that we look to put in place. We're doing some piloting with a number of different vendors. We are putting out an RFI that's going to solicit some information from vendors who would like to offer their thoughts and their recommendations on how a problem like this could be solved. We're also talking to some of the hyperscalers about some of the capabilities that they may be able to offer as part of their native cloud service offerings. So those are a couple of threads of work that are being pursued under that initiative. It seems to me, just hearing all that, David, that one of the things about NASA is that it does not lack for data, far from it. I think it collects a treasure trove of data, but just knowing where to look can be part of the challenge, or just getting your arms around all of that data can be a challenge. Whether it is just that volume of data or other things, what comes to mind in terms of NASA's particular data challenges, what do you see as the most prominent challenges around making effective use of that data and how are you looking to get around those? Well, I think some of the challenges are related to, let me just sum it up as say culture. There is a culture that I would say quite candidly consistent across a lot of organizations where the first thought is not to share, but to hold as something of value that is specific to a particular effort. And in some cases, maybe even protect some of that data in a way that limits access by others. I think there's a human tendency by some to see the value of the data that they have and for a number of reasons, not necessarily think to make it available to all and or share uh, that data. 
more widely. And I'm speaking generally. I'm not necessarily speaking explicitly at NASA, but in some cases, maybe there's competitive sentiment. In other cases, it could very well be that there's concern that the data, if shared with others, could be misused and misinterpreted. This in particular is a challenge with some of the very sophisticated data sets that we hold, where unless you're a specialist in a particular field, you may not be able to interpret the data in a way that's accurate. And as such, you could you could arrive at a faulty conclusion. So I think it's largely cultural. And what we look to do to mitigate some of those cultural impediments is just raise awareness. Raise awareness. And I, and I think, quite candidly, a great example of that awareness rising is uh, in the open science community where NASA realized that, okay, we've got amazing intellectual capacity within this organization, but our ability to solve problems internally is good, great, quite advanced, but it's even better if we share some of the problems that we have more broadly and we solicit the thoughts from external contributors. Hence, the open science community that is quite pervasive and the notion of citizen scientists contributing to some of our work. So I think that's the two opposite ends of the extreme. You look at the great example of open science and you look at some of the maybe legacy behaviors where people are less apt to share some of that data. And you quickly find that there's far more value in sharing and opening up the aperture of contributors than there is to limiting the ability for people to gain access to that data and, and contribute to mission outcomes. One thing that's unique about NASA and its data mission is just the extremes to which it gathers data. You mentioned that Artemis program, NASA, of course, is gathering data from things that are pretty far flung from Earth, you know, the moon and beyond. In terms of that data gathering and just keeping pace with NASA's mission as it grows and evolves and as technology grows and evolves, how are you seeing the data side of the mission changing to keep up with that? Certainly, there is a recognition of the value of the cloud and the value that uh, cloud hosting, cloud services brings as an accelerant and also the volume and capacity that cloud providers are able to uh, support. So the organization recognizes that and the organization seeks to move even more toward cloud services over time just because of, again, there's an economy to be had there. And cloud services offer a, a number of tiers of services that range in price based on the use case and the ability of NASA to be able to optimize for a particular mission using those cloud offerings is quite appealing. You can see that NASA is pursuing advanced communications technology for space-based systems, technologies that will allow us to move more data more rapidly. So orders of magnitude, more bandwidth available, because as you know, the sensor technology increases in sophistication, the resolution of the images and some of the other data collected increases, and therefore you have to have a way of moving that data. The other thing when we think about what Artemis is going to do is with a persistent presence on the moon and with a station in orbit around the moon, there'll be a lot of data there as well. Those platforms become a way in which we can relay information in an efficient manner, you know, from 
uh, deeper space-based sensors uh, back to Earth for analysis. And then more recently, you may be familiar with the OSIRIS-REx mission where we actually brought a sample back from Bennu, an asteroid that was many, many miles, many, many light years away from Earth. And that is yet another example of, of moving a sample back to Earth so that it can be analyzed as well. So NASA is always looking at ways to further its exploration by uh, being able to um, harness some of the data that becomes available to us through these uh, various sophisticated sensors that, that are deployed, not only in space, but also on Earth. That was David Salvanini, NASA's chief data officer. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. All About Data, we're speaking with David Salvanini, the Chief Data Officer at NASA. To go perhaps a little bit more into the weeds here, David, can you describe a little bit more about NASA's just cloud journey, where things currently stand, and just maybe in that short-term future here, what are you guys looking to do to move further into the cloud, and, and how will that ultimately support the mission and the data a little bit more effectively? I actually have colleagues who spend every moment of their day thinking about the cloud journey, the cloud contracts. There is a uh, contract that is to be put out and eventually awarded follow-on cloud services contract that will include uh, multiple cloud providers in a similar model to what DOD has uh, put forth, where not only having access to maybe uh, Amazon or Microsoft, but also including other cloud providers as well. So that model is being pursued just for diversification, uh, since each of the cloud providers offers different capabilities. And in some cases, those capabilities may be you know, better suited for certain use cases. So I think having that capability will be a great advantage for us. And then just a continued interest in what the cloud offers and looking as we look to refresh some of the legacy capabilities that in the past may have been provisioned on premises, we're always thinking about how could we do that in the cloud and how could we do that more effectively uh, from a mission perspective and also more cost effectively. When I do some of these interviews with other agencies, you know, the spreading the message of a data culture can be a longer road for some versus others. Now, when I think of NASA, I think that that's a, an agency that is pretty well versed in all things data and all things technology. When it comes to, David, just going beyond your own CDO office and, and getting that data message out to folks, how is that going? I mean, in terms of spreading that culture, that data-centric culture to NASA, is it a lighter lift than perhaps you might have seen at some of your other agencies? And how do you see that journey looking going ahead of, of making sure that, you know, some data literacy is promoted throughout the entire NASA workforce? This is a, a great area of optimism for me as a, as a new data officer and a new civil servant, new executive here at NASA. 
As I do outreach, as I talk to governance boards, as I talk to executives across NASA, um, the message, I'm connecting with a need that they have. And oftentimes, the result of those conversations cleanly maps to opportunities for me to add value back to that organization. I think in part, this may be because we had a prior chief data officer, and then there was a bit of a gap. So I believe there's a lot of pent-up anticipation for what the chief data officer can do for these organizations. So that's one. So I think the messaging and my outreach has been very well received, and I would say resonates quite well with a lot of the folks that I interact with. There's a great deal of validation in what I'm sharing and what people are seeing as a need. So I always look for that feedback loop as I engage with organizations and other uh, leaders across the organization. The other part that gives me even more optimism than that is there's a lot of organic development around uh, CDO behaviors, data management behaviors, principles of data management that organically growing, I wanna say sort of at the grassroots. We have a data stewards community of practice, self-organized. This is a group of probably about 70 people who get together and talk about data challenges. This isn't because I came to NASA and said, you have to have a community of practice for data stewardship. It's something that existed before I arrived. Now we've grown it because of the outreach and because of me calling attention to it and and quite candidly praising them for organically uh, kicking off this needed forum. It has uh, more momentum is growing around that group, but that's organic. That is people seeing a need, seeing a gap and working together to solve a problem. There's organizations that are standing up data governance. They're doing it not because I said they have to stand up data governance. They're doing it because they see value in doing so. They're seeing that they have to govern their data because they do see their data as an asset and they see the value that it holds. So that's happening. You see data roles being established within organizations, again, organically. The science mission directorate has a chief science state officer appointed, also an executive. So that's an example of more appreciation of the need for good data management and people to to be in a leadership role in support of that. And um, I would say the last thing is, is that there are the undeclared data heroes across NASA. And that's those people who have a data role and they don't necessarily identify with that data role, but they're doing all the work that a CDO or a data steward or a data owner or any number of other data practitioners might do just because they know that it has to be done. They see the need and they're rolling up their sleeves and they're taking care of things for that particular organization. Now, my job is to call attention to that, formalize it just a little bit, not in a way that's going to hinder it, but just creates a little bit more consistency and build momentum around it so that those organizations that have seen the need continue to pursue what they're pursuing, dovetail that into the greater process and procedures that we look to have in place at NASA for data governance from an enterprise perspective, and then bring those other organizations that haven't quite recognized the need yet further along so that they also have some folks looking out for those um, equities uh, on their behalf as well. So ultimately create consistency and interoperability between these various different efforts that are happening across NASA so that we have a cohesive data strategy, data management framework, uh, et cetera. To circle back to the data sharing piece of things, I think we were discussing that in the context of sharing data more broadly across NASA as an enterprise. But of course, this is an agency, like you said, that does have a pretty healthy public profile. So in terms of that 
data sharing that exists at you know the interagency level, going beyond NASA, uh, you know, going out to contractors, going out to the public. There's an awful lot of stakeholders here. How do you approach the data sharing line of effort going on there? Carefully, uh, I would say. So there's a lot that's shared. There's a lot that's made available for the public good. And then, of course, there's some information that that does have some sensitivity that does have to be protected. So I think it's all the more reason why you have to have people who are looking after data and managing it well. And, you know, first order is publicly share everything that can reasonably be publicly shared. And then in those cases where there has to be some sensitivity applied, basically COI type of markings do so in in a um, very deliberate, uh, consistent way. All right. Continuing with that train of thought there for a little bit longer, in terms of the data security, what steps is NASA taking to just ensure the security of that data and just making sure that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands? I don't want to speak on behalf of our, um, uh, the common term would be CISO, although we refer to him as a CISO uh, here at NASA. Um what we have done and what he has done uh, with great success is he has certainly uh, shored up our boundary and put in place a mature cyber operations capability where he is, of course, like any other federal organization that is subject to nefarious actors seeking to penetrate into their, uh, you know, their environment and potentially exfiltrate information. You know, he's put in place all the mechanisms to protect our internal networks. So, uh, and I think to great effect. So I can't speak in any detail about that, but that program continues to mature. And I think that's safe to say that that's the case across uh, most federal organizations, just because we see that the cyber threat continues to grow. And as such, you know, we owe it to our taxpayers and we owe it to all the others that we serve to uh, protect the information that needs to be appropriately protected. And of course, we've taken great strides to do that. One foundational thing I think back to, and I think back to like the Evidence Act and a lot of the legislation that underpins CDOs across government, I think the one thing that is just common across all CDO roles is that data maturity piece. I know you're new to the agency, uh, David, but in terms of NASA and its data maturity, what do you make of the current state of that data maturity and what steps are you looking to take to further improve that data maturity? I would say it varies and probably as it should. So I often give this example. If you watch a launch from NASA and you watch mission control and you watch all the stations check in with the state of the systems, if you look at all of the prep leading up to that day, that launch day, and all of the factors that are assessed before a go to launch occurs, that is a probably, it's an incredibly impressive demonstration of data in action. And uh, you can imagine the risk profile is quite high, especially for manned spaceflight missions, that every element of quality control and all of that data leading to that decision is in place and exercised with great effectivity. So that is, I think, a shining example of what great looks like. That was David Salvanini, the Chief Data Officer at NASA. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.